0: is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio, streaming live on the Seattle
1: Sports app and at seattlesports.com.
0: Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman
2: and Bob Stelton. Well, good news. The Seahawks have a brand new head coach, and we've got a lot to discuss when it comes to him. And we get a chance to speak to a man who knows him very, very well. He's a former head coach himself. He's gone through this process, and he's probably... The single most important person in the career of David Wyman, because if not for this man, Dave Wyman may (laughs) never have stepped on an NFL field. We're talking about the one, the only Gary Kubiak is with us on the Emerald Queen Casino Sportsbook Hotline. How are you, Gary?
3: Oh, I'm doing great, guys. How are y'all today? We're we're great. We
2: appreciate you taking some time with us, and uh, and it's a big day out here. Everybody very excited after 14 years with one coach. It's it's a weird spot to be in, looking for a new head coach as a Seahawks fan, and they found a guy in Mike McDonald that uh, you you had the pleasure. I hope it was a pleasure to be on the same staff with. What, what's your first of all? What's your reaction to a guy who's 36 years old getting that that coaching opportunity?
3: I'll just say this: anybody who's been with John Harbaugh and been in his program uh, for a period of time, uh is gonna do a hell of a job. I mean, I, I was with Baltimore in two thousand fourteen for one year. It as it's one one of the greatest learning experiences I ever had uh in the NFL. The way they do things in Baltimore, Ozzie Newsom, uh you know, the uh uh Eric DaCosta uh, the way they do things there, the way they run their organization, if a coach comes through there, you can bet they 're prepared to be a head coach, so I know he'll do a great job for you guys,
0: yeah, so tell us about John Harbaugh and just sort of uh you know the Harbaugh brothers, and I know their dad yeah. coached as well, but uh i th- I feel like he's kind of one of those guys that uh that kind of you know people sort of look over as far as his tenure as a head coach he's been up there with belichick and tomlin and so what what was it about him that that in your estimation that helps develop coaches guys like mike mcdonald
3: well i for, first off john's just a tremendous leader you know uh you know most guys uh in football john's background is a big special teams guy but uh but John's hands are all over his football team with his coordinators. Uh, You know, he's a tremendous game day manager as far as understanding the game, the analytics part of the game. Uh, And John just, the the teams I've been around in the NFL, there's never been a tougher team than the one that John puts together. Just that's how they're built. That's how they play. And, you know, his career shows that he's just very, very consistent throughout his career of his football team uh, winning. And, uh, I mean, everybody goes through some tough times a year, two, two there, here or there, depending on what happens. But he has been consistently a playoff football coach and very successful coach.
2: Gary, what's that jump like going from coordinator to being the guy who's responsible for the whole thing? You know, it's, it's Everybody handles it differently, obviously, and and you know, I think that might be the only concern for some is, wow, he's thirty six years old and and this is on his yeah. plate now. Is it what 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 was that like for you?
3: Well, it, it, it's a huge jump. I mean, it's the most significant jump you can make. Uh, you know, it's that old saying, nobody's really ever totally ready for that job. Uh, you know, until you get in there and get, get your feet wet and get going. But, uh, I think what happens in the coaching search, what you see going on in the NFL, there's always names that are brought up. This guy's going to get a job. That guy's going to get a job. And then when people start interviewing, all of a sudden there are a couple of, other guys that step to the forefront because once you get them in a room, you're just so impressed with their vision for what they want to do, and uh, you know those things happen when you go going through all these interview process. So, you know, he obviously uh, has done a tremendous job in his interviews. I've, I've talked to a few people that have been a part of him. Uh, he has a tremendous vision for what he wants to do and how he wants to go about it, and uh, you know, I think I think the fact that he's coming out of that program. Gives him a chance to be successful very quickly.
0: Hey, Gary, if that's you and you're a, a defensive wizard or an offen or you're on the offensive side of the ball, and you you get named the head coach, do you think you you would continue to call plays, or would you get somebody to that you would you know say, hey, this is my our defensive coordinator, and still have you know a pretty heavy hand and calling the defenses? How would you approach that, and how do you think uh, Mike McDonald? From, well, I, yeah, what,
3: I can just tell it? you guys my belief. Oh hell, hell yeah, I mean when I became a head coach, I was, I called plays, you know, my whole career. Uh, I mean, that's, that's how I got to where I was. I mean, that's how I got an opportunity to be a head coach. And I think uh, the guys that do that, you know, their football team, you know, sees that presence. They understand, Hey, he's got that side of the ball, you know, those types of things. And it's so important. When you look around the league at real successful uh, places, there's a lot of, you know, you look at Kyle, you look at Matt LaFleur, these guys kind of call, call plays, they call things. So uh, I don't think you ever get away from what, what uh, your strength is or what got you to where you're at. Uh, maybe over a period of time, that changes if you're at a place for a long time. But I think initially, you uh, that's why you're there. That's how you got there. You know, make sure you got that side of the ball under control.
2: Gary, what's the biggest challenge when you make that jump? Is it assembling your staff, getting the guys you want as your coordinators and, and coaches on down? Is that is it sort of just earning the respect of players that don't know you as a head coach? What what for you was the biggest challenge?
3: Yeah, I think the biggest challenge, you know, the football part really is easy. I mean, that's that's what you do, that's what you know. That's what you're comfortable with. It's it's all the other things that come with it, you know, when you're when you're a head coach. You know, your your availability to the media is very, you know, on a regular basis. I mean, so that's something you're dealing with all the time. Uh, dealing with ownership, dealing with, uh, you know, uh, the front office player personnel, all, the, all those things that you don't deal with as an assistant coach that become part of your day-to-day life. So just getting a real good grip on those type of things, you know, how they're going to pull on you, uh, surrounding yourself with people – that are great teachers. I think that's so important in football nowadays with so much uh, turnover. You got to surround yourself with great teachers and people that you feel good about. And you lay your head on that pillow at night, you know, you got to be able to sleep and know you got good people working for you and, and let them do their job. Yeah, Gary, you know, I think that's
0: kind of one of the things that Schneider talked about um, when he was doing his coaching search was that they're looking for for teachers. But as far as you I mean, as a as a head coach or an offensive coordinator, you're trying to get the best out of your players. So how do you kind of balance that with? I've got this scheme. And yet, you know, this isn't what's best for this guy that I want on the field.
3: No, I mean you you know you have to have a system in place, okay? So what you know what is your system offensively defensively, you know, how are you going to teach, you know, what you know you're going to you know, put that together, but but coaching is, you know, adapting to your players. I mean, uh, you know, if you're built as a three-wide football team and you're trying to run a two-back offense, that's not very smart. So, but good systems, when you have a good system in place, you're able to do whatever you need to do. A system is just a teaching tool. You know, this is this is how we're going to install. This is how we're going to teach. But you've got to be able to go in many directions uh, to make sure you're utilizing your players the best way possible. It, it,
2: as far as stepping into this spot, is there is there a position you look at? I mean, we all focus on the quarterback. We all look at that. And if somebody feels like they've got their their franchise guy, then then you, you're you're hitting the ground running. Is that how you see it? Like that's that's spot number one i need to have some security in or do you prioritize one side of the ball in totality versus the other how do you how do you sort of assess how you you attack it as a new guy
3: well i you know i I think everybody you know having a you know a 10-year quarterback in your organization i think we all know you know the consistency that leads to and, and the success that can lead to but you know you have to be honest i mean those things are hard to come by i mean they they don't they don't happen for all 32 teams you know and uh so you know you you've got you got to have a plan how you're going to build it how you're going to you know you can't just just say I'm going to go get a quarterback this year you know maybe maybe it's not the year to do that maybe it's uh, you need to go in a different direction with your team this year you know to get to where you want to go so i mean there's so many things that go into putting your group together and uh when it's all said and done you're going to play 17 times so if you're a good football team and you're good in a lot of areas, you're going to have some success. You know, you can't – it can't be about one player or two players. I mean, you look at these great teams. You look at Kansas City, how well they're playing defense this year. I mean, Spags has done an incredible job, you know. And, uh, you know, Kyle, the job he's done with the, with the young quarterback, a uh, seventh-round quarterback, look what he's done with him. So, it's still about teaching. It's still about finding the right fit and putting a good group together that uh, – you know, plays hard together and prepares well together and gives you a chance each and every week.
0: Hey Gary, so what you've seen from uh the, the Raven defense and Mike McDonald and there was a clip that we talked about yesterday where it just seems like he makes things very easy on his on his players, and then, and then it seems like you know that allows them to just fly around and, and make plays, not have to think. You can always see, you know, when somebody's thinking on the field, right? Yeah. And yeah. you know, it seems like he's he's really got that down. What what have you seen from his defense that's uh that's unique?
3: Well, you know, as As a guy who did it for a long, long time, and and obviously I've I've been out now for a couple of years, but I mean, I still watch film each and every week. I I keep up with a lot of things and a lot of coaches around the league, but I'll say this, anytime you're watching or evaluating a coach or evaluating how his team plays, the number one thing you look at is how hard his players play, because that says a lot about the coach. And when you watch, baltimore's defense fly around and how they play how well they tackle fundamentally you know there's no doubt that these guys respond to him and his leadership because it it's right their own tape every week you know and and what they were as a football team so i think that's the greatest compliment a coach can get is how hard his football team plays and uh, how much they give it up for each other
2: I'm sure it's unique to every situation, Gary, between a head coach and a GM. But when it comes to filling out your staff, your coordinators and such, how how much of that is a you know sort of a, a meeting of the minds between you and the GM? How much of that is the GM just saying, "Hey, get who you're comfortable with. This is your team. You're running the show." What what do you what do you think they're dealing with here as far as filling out that staff? Well, I'm
3: I'm, I'm sure it's different at different places. You know, uh, you know, I, I think. You know, personally, a coach, if you're taking over a a football team, first off, somebody hires you, they believe in you. You know what I mean? That's, you know, I used to, I remember uh, people would say, tell me about your staff. And my answer was always, you know, what's most important is whether or not I'm the guy for this job. We'll, We'll hire good staff. We'll work hard. We'll take our time. We'll hire good staff. But this is about whether or not you guys think I'm the right guy. You know what I mean? So, I was a guy that didn't believe in coming there with a piece of paper. Here's my nine coaches I'm hiring. I thought it was about, you know, you selling yourself to the organization and going from there. But, you know, as a coach, you have to, you know, you got to, we all do our research when we're coaching. We all know guys, you know, we we all know a lot about how guys teach or how they, you know, how they run their systems. So, you know, everybody, I think every coach in the league, as they grow up has kind of got their, their group of people that they, you know, Sit there and say if i get an opportunity i want this guy working for me you know i want this guy running that room for me so i think every everybody sits down and takes a look at that uh from that standpoint but then also it's like anything else you've got to interview a lot of people because you never know when somebody's coming across your desk that's just so impressive uh you know that you uh say hey i like what this guy brings to the table and you know i want him around here so I think there's all kind of ways to skin a cat, so to speak. And uh, but Mike will do a great job. He's been around good coaches. He knows what he's looking for. Hey, you your eight
0: years as the head coach of the Houston Texans. Tell us about some of the. You had some some pretty good minds coming through there that you uh, that you had as assistants. Tell us about um, you know I know you had like Kyle Shanahan I think and tell us about some of those those young guys that are now populating the league.
3: Yeah, you know, uh, the one year in, in Houston, I had Kyle, I had Mike McDaniel, I had Robert Sala, and Matt LaFleur. had all four of them on my staff, you know, wow. so it tells you how smart I was. I, I didn't even realize what I had, but uh, no, <laughs> they're, they're, they're great kids. Uh, obviously, Kyle came up with me with, you know, Kyle was my receiver coach, my quarterback coach, my coordinator, uh, and then Matt and Mike were uh, – quality control guys for me before they moved on with Kyle and, and coach Shanahan to Washington. So, uh, and then Robert uh, as well. So anyway, uh, you know, that's kind of what we were just talking about before bright young minds, you know, uh, you got to listen to them. You know, staffs are really big in the NFL nowadays. I mean, you got 25 plus coaches in a room sometimes for a head coach to deal with, but you can never, Overlook the fact of these bright young minds and, and give them an opportunity uh, because you never know what you got. Well,
0: it's kind of interesting too how how you meet people because I know that you were you and I were teammates while well, you were you were coaching in Denver in 1995 and I know Kyle Shanahan was our ball boy and so that's that's <laughs> kind of how you struck that relationship, right?
3: Yeah, it's you know it's amazing when you look back. It's like uh, I remember coaching Eddie McCaffrey and Christian running around on the field after practice and Eddie throwing the ball. And, you know, now he's got oh, what a fine player, you know, I mean, you know, time flies, uh, you know, I mean, it's a, you know, it's amazing to watch some of these kids come up, but uh, uh, you know, it's it's just, it's fun. It's, 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 what it is. I mean, it's awesome for me to sit here, you know, i got two boys coaching with the Niners and, and uh, for me to sit here and watch Christian play and watch Kyle and the job he's done and, and what he's become as a head coach in the National Football League. I talked to Mike. Me and Mike talk before games, and, you know, just, uh, you know, you just live through it. You know, it kind of keeps you going.
2: Hey, you brought up analytics earlier, and I'm curious what what you think of that, its place in the NFL. Obviously, it's a huge part of Major League Baseball, um do you feel like it lends itself to the NFL the way it does with baseball? Obviously, there's a lot of mystery to what's going on on the field as far as who's got what responsibility and defense and things like that. What what, what are your thoughts on analytics?
3: Yeah, I, you know, I, I I wouldn't know how to compare that to baseball, but I, I can just say, you know, uh, you know, being a head coach for a while and, and what's going on in football, you've got to have you a guy. You know what I mean? You've got to have you a right-hand guy that's uh on that headset with you on Sunday that's uh, strictly you know a uh, game manager type of person when it comes to to clock and all those type of things the uh, challenges because you have so much on your plate you know you you've got to be able to listen to that person for me personally I I had a guy in the in the booth who uh, I told him you talk to me all the time and I used to tell him I want you to know you I may not say nothing. But I'm hearing everything you say. I'm going to have to make a decision. Uh, it may not be the exact one you want me to make, but just give me information, and then I need to go make a decision. So I just think it's become a big part of the game. And obviously, you you're always preparing for situational football. It's just you know part part of the business.
0: Gary, what, there's lots of talk now. Speaking of the analytics, that um, you know you got to hire these young coaches because they know how to relate to the kids. Is that something that maybe is overblown <laughs> a little bit?
3: Well, I think any good coach can relate to whoever he's teaching, you know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I've been around some of the greatest coaches, uh, you know, in, in football, some of them screamed and hollered and, and, uh, were wild man on the field. And I've been around some that, that were just very quiet and very stoic. You got to be yourself, you know, and, uh. I just think when, you know, a guy goes in a room and commands a room and he teaches and you watch you watch your coach teach, you know, you you know if a guy's got the respect of his players and uh, and how they go about their business. So uh, I think there's plenty of room for young, old, and everybody to, to be successful and uh, if they do it the right way.
2: Hey, Gary, just as far as the game today, I'm curious how you feel about the product itself, the way it's being officiated, the rules, what have you. Uh, Dave and I spend a lot of time complaining about what what they're doing, and you know the the the, the I don't emphasis on safety is good, but it feels like it's a, they've kind of crossed the line a bit in, in altering the way the game looks. But as a guy that played it at the level you did and, and coached and everything, how do you feel about the product as it is these days?
3: Well, I, you know, I, I I think they're always doing everything they can to protect protect players and and you know worry about injuries. That's I mean that's a good thing i mean that's that's what they they should be taking a look at all the time uh but you know as a coach uh what's happening is you know it, it is changing so much from year to year so you know how you how you coach somebody to go hit the quarterback you know how you coach somebody to tackle how you coach a free safety to break on the ball you know all those things are changing year to year because of uh you know because of various rules and stuff so there is a great deal of adjustment going on uh, for coaches year in and year out. You know, things things are constantly changing. Probably more so now than ever.
0: Gary, it shouldn't be uh, surprising that a ex MMA fighter and an ex linebacker think the NFL is getting soft. That's what <laughs> that's who you're talking to here. So, yeah, but
1: <laughs>
0: uh, yeah.
3: Well, I mean, you know, it's uh, you know, the game's forever changing. You know, and just uh. But you still, I mean, I still, I love watching teams that are physical. You know, I I, I thought that game, the uh, Kansas City-Baltimore game, was an extremely physical game. I mean, when you watch it, and I sit here and watch it on film as well, uh, when they, they get to these big contests, man, they're still out there banging and doing it the way it's always been done. You know, it's just a lot of great athletes out there.
0: Hey Gary, as far as uh last question from me, uh, it, when you see sort of the evolution of offenses throughout, you know, the history of the NFL and then you, you know, like a lot of times I remember the wildcat, well, we kind of ran that at Wooster High School in Reno, Nevada. <laughs> we called it the single wing, but do you see a lot of a, a lot of that these things coming back and you're like, "Yeah, that's the same as this that we used to to run and we called it something different."
3: Yeah, you know, uh was a lot of great minds in a league, but, uh, you know, you see, you know, you like, like I sit there and watch what Kyle's done offensively after, you know, being around his dad, being around me, and watching how he's taken this thing and he has his own identity and all the, all the emotions and formation, you know, you know what I mean? Just growth, growth, growth. But the, the one thing about the NFL, one of the big things about it is it's such an adjustment league. You know, you have a rookie who has a tremendous year and, you think he's going to be a 10-time Pro Bowler. Well, people are going to study him for a year. How am I going to play that guy next year? You know, I mean, so the league is forever changing, and there's so many great minds putting together game plans week in and week out. Uh, you better be changing as well. As coaches, you better be growing each and every year. As players, you got to be growing each and every year because, uh, you know, Dave, Dave knows as well as anybody, it doesn't last long, boy, and it goes by fast, and uh, it's forever changing.
2: Gary Kubiak, former player, former coach, and a man who is single-handedly most responsible for the success of Dave Wyman at the NFL level. We give him all credit for that. Uh, No, in all seriousness, great great to speak with you, Gary. Really appreciate you taking some time with us.
3: All right, guys. Y'all have a great day. Enjoyed it. There you go Gary
2: Kubiak uh, who had just a tremendous impact on the life of Dave Wyman. No, just a good dude though. Good dude who was there while you were there and very cool to hear from him. Meanwhile, where did it all begin for Mike McDonald? We're going to uh, talk to a guy who gave him his first coaching start down in Georgia. How about that Dave? Xavier, I think is how you say his name right? Xavier. Xavier. Z- Xavier <laughs> Smith. Xavier. We'll get Xavier Smith. We'll get just ask me. We are being, I'll yeah, the <laughs> table get it worked out. Xavier Smith is going to join us next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob.
1: Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app
2: seahawks have their new head coach and we're learning all about him mike mcdonald is the new head coach of your seattle seahawks in case you're just tuning in we get a chance dave to find out where it all started i
3: where, love this man w- this is
2: great coaching journey started and we get a chance to speak to the man that gave him his first opportunity to coach he's with us on the emerald queen casino sportsbook hotline xavier smith is with us how are you sir
1: I'm doing very
2: well. How are you doing? We're we're great. Everybody out here is very excited about uh, Mike McDonald, new head coach, first time in 14 years we've had to talk about anybody other than Pete Carroll. Uh, so we're kind of getting to know Mike McDonald. We know what he's done with the Ravens. But talk to us about what he was like. You coached him as a player back at, what, Centennial High School. Uh, talk to us about what he was like back then. And did even back then, was there a glimmer? Was there something about the way he he processed information where you thought, this kid could be a coach one day?
1: Uh, Of course. Uh, Mike was a a great young man. Uh, Mike really didn't play his senior year. He got hurt. Uh, He hurt his neck and then he tore up his knee. But he was our team leader, very smart, very bright young man. And, uh, you know, he was always making sure our defense was ran right and that the kids knew what they were doing. But it was the weirdest thing. He never got to play uh, his senior year, he never stepped on the field. And then when I left Centennial and went to see the shows, he called me and said, "I want to coach for you." And I was like, "You know, you're going to coach for me." So he became, uh, brought him on as a ninth grade uh, head coach and defensive coordinator, and then he assisted me on Friday nights with game planning.
0: Yeah, I was uh, looking here, Xavier. The the story you hire him as uh, your freshman team coach, as you mentioned, and he got six shutouts in a seven 0 campaign in two thousand eight, and Couple of years later, um, you know, he was he was hired, but uh, in at Georgia. But what what kind of things was he doing? And do you or do you see anything now that that you know you you think back to what he was like in high school? Because it sounds like he started off a really good coach out of the gate.
1: Yes, uh, Mike is probably one of the smartest uh, young men that I've ever met. Probably one of the smartest people you're going to ever be around. Uh, very high intellect. Uh, able to deal with people and so i hit the funny story is you know i immediately you know wanted him to coach and saw that he would be a good coach and you know we tell the story all the time his dad didn't want him to be a coach and i think his dad probably got mad at me about him uh be hiring him and, and helping him uh become a coach and then i was able to help him get on at georgia as, as a graduate assistant but very very intelligent and every to process uh, I actually remember a game at Cedar Shows one night where a team was running something, and he immediately came to me and said, "Look, they're running to the left, and you need to run, you know, our stunt that we run if a team's running off a certain hash. We need to come off the hash and run this stunt." And and before I could even think of doing it, he had already processed it. Like, okay, make the call. Let's do it. Let's run it. Let's go. And it worked. And <laughs> <laughs> it worked. <laughs> it worked. We were, we were very good. At, his, the ninth grade defense was very good, and, and the varsity <laughs> defense was very good that year when we were there. So
2: now, is he somebody you, you've you've I'm guessing you kept up with what he was doing, but have you have you maintained contact with him throughout his time as a, as he's worked his way up through the ranks?
1: Yes, sir. We 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 probably we talked probably maybe five or six times over the last three to four years. We text probably. At one point, we were texting just about every week because I would text him and tell him uh, what my defense did. Uh, we won the state championship in 2015, so I would text him and tell him, you know, we had five three and outs or six three and outs. What you guys gonna do? or Are you talking to your guys about getting three and outs on Friday night? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, on Sunday, on Sundays. And uh, so I was like, you need to go in that meeting and make sure they know that I had we got six three and outs on, on Friday night, and you guys need to take care of that on Sunday.
0: Hey, uh, so interesting to, to hear all of this. And one of the things about coaches that, that I notice is the really good communicators and teachers. And, you know, uh, my, my older brother always would tell me, hey, if, some, if you want directions from A to B, you want it, you know, to get from A to B, you want the least words possible. And and I feel like you know it, it sounds like he's that kind of a guy. Tell us about his communication skills, and because it's one thing to have all this in your in your brain, but trying to explain it to players, and it looks like Baltimore the way they they play defense, it it really uh, it really resonates with them. But tell us about his communication skills.
1: Well, the first thing it goes back to once again how intelligent he is, and I think that uh, you know something we used to always talk about back in the day was. Make sure, number one, you know, you talk about communication skills, but first you got to love your players and they got to love you. So we always talked about we got to get the players to love each other and love, and they got to love you and trust you. So, uh, for Mike to not have played, uh, basically didn't play a senior year, didn't play in college, didn't play in the NFL, it shows you that he's a master communicator. He, that if he's able to go in that room and, and, And grab those NFL players and get them to believe and trust and to love one another. And, you know, he's got to love them. And I think that that's that's where the real communication is. Those guys have got to trust and love one another. And that's what he does a great job of doing. Those guys are all coming together and they're playing for one another and loving one another.
2: Yeah, that's something, I mean, just from the outside, we're looking at the Ravens and specific players that we're familiar with, like Jadevian Clowney, who played here in Seattle, and was very good against the run, wasn't a big sack guy. I think he had three sacks or something in the year he was here. His best year ever, nine and a half sacks early in his career. Now he's looked at as an older player, and somehow Mike was able to get him into that defense and put up arguably the best numbers of his career. We looked at that. And went if he can do that with Clowney, this is this is a guy working magic out there.
1: And 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 Mike's been able to, you know, Chuck Smith. Uh, Chuck Smith is from Georgia too, and I know Chuck. Chuck's done a great job with that D line. Uh, I think they brought him in last year, I believe, at at the Ravens. And so uh, you know, the Ravens are great on the front line. They're great at the linebacker level. They're great in the secondary. So he's playing with some some dudes that are out there. And, and once again, the, the impressive thing is that football, you've got to get the guys to care about one another and play for one another because, you know, everyone wants to play for them themselves, and this world is telling them to be for, play for themselves and be about themselves and worry about themselves. But the great teams are going to play for one another, and I think he's done a great job of leading those men to play and care about one another.
0: Xavier, one of the things that we were we were wondering about is because he's young, he's thirty six years old, does he have connections in the NFL? Is he a is he a social guy? Does he go to cause I know that you go to the senior bowl and it seems like every coach knows one another, but you know, we were saying, well, with Dan Quinn, he's older, he's been around longer, he might have more contacts. does, does Mike does Mike seem like a guy that, that reaches out to other coaches and is, is social in that way?
1: Yes, sir. Mike's well connected. He's uh, once again, it goes back to he's he's not a dummy. He knows that he has to connect with other people, and you know he's a golfer, so you know he he's, he plays golf all the time. So he's on the golf courses with other coaches and and meeting them and uh, connecting with them. And so I think he'll put together a great staff. He knows what he has to do. Uh, he knows what's at hand uh, for him at Seattle. You know, following Pete Carroll's. Uh, Going to be a very difficult thing. And um, I just pray that everyone will give him an opportunity to put his stamp on the franchise and to do the things that he needs to do to be successful. And uh, he'll do that because he's going to, first of all, he's going to outwork everyone. So he knows that you got to go in and, and be a hard worker. So he's going to outwork everyone. He's going to do whatever he's got to do to bring in the people that he needs to bring in and do whatever he has to do to make that football team as good as uh, possible. And so I hope that those players and everyone around them will work as hard as he will.
2: Xavier Smith has been our guest, the man to give uh, Mike McDonald his first coaching job ever. Very cool, very cool stuff. Hey, Xavier, we really appreciate you taking time with us. Thanks so much for the uh, for the insight. We appreciate it. Thank you. There you go. Xavier Smith, How the cool man who that? got it started. He's got to be <laughs> almost like a proud papa. Watching his his former charge, now a head coach in the NFL. Coming up, it is Wednesday, so it's time for the hypothetical what if. What if the Ravens were in the Super Bowl? Talk about that next. It's Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.
1: What? 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 It's time for What If Wednesday. Coach would have put me in fourth quarter. We'd have been state champions, no doubt. Wyman and Bob rewrite the scripts of
0: major moves and moments in sports every Wednesday afternoon. Now step into an
2: alternative reality with Wyman and Bob. It is What If Wednesday, which is presented by Mazda of Everett. A reminder, we uh, had a chance to speak with the man who gave Mike McDonald his very first-ever coaching opportunity, Xavier Smith. He joined us in the previous segment, in case you're just tuning in. That conversation will uh, be available on the podcast page after the show at seattlesports.com. All right, What If Wednesday. What if, Dave, the Ravens head advanced to the Super Bowl, and we're sitting here... You got the bye week. You got the week off. You're you're sitting here for basically two extra weeks. What do what do the Seahawks do now? We played that. Should we play that cut from uh, who was it? Rappaport who said they were going to wait around as long as it took. Uh, You want to hear that? You remember? Yeah. Let's let's hear that. My
1: understanding is this has been the guy all along. Seattle ran a long process, a thorough process, brought several candidates in for second interviews, ran them through the entire car wash. But the reality was this was the guy that John Schneider, the general manager, had in his head for some time. They were unable to interview him originally. And my understanding was even if the Baltimore Ravens had been in the Super Bowl, they would have waited because McDonald was a guy they had to talk to.
2: Totally agree. That would have made it very obvious who they were, were yeah, targeting, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> no decision was made, and we're counting down the days to the Super Bowl. The Seahawks have still done nothing with the coaching
0: job. Well, they they still could have talked to him and then said, "Okay, we've we've got we've got a, everything we need. We're going to hire Dan Quinn." So, yeah, I mean, I, they were going to wait for him no matter what. And <laughs> there's no way you go this far. I mean, you're one of two teams that doesn't have a coach when we started off with what was it, eight. Is that right? Lefko? I think they talk, ended up talking to well, more than that, though, right?
2: Oh no, eight openings, right? Uh, no, I'm talking yeah. about the head coaching oh, total. Op- you're right. You're right. Openings. So,
0: yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, I think they're going to wait no matter what. I don't think it's yeah you know, a big. I, I, there's no way that they all of a sudden go that far and then go eh, forget it. Well, we'll just we got to have somebody now because it's only an extra, well, couple weeks, I guess. But this think- this week's always kind of. Uh, you got the Pro Bowl coming up. It's just a bad reminder. <laughs> well, the Pro Bowl doesn't really exist in its previous form. Now it's
2: a bunch of stuff, a bunch of competitions I used to love the going Pro on. Bowl. Well, yeah, but it changed so long ago. But I, I mean, just back to him. I guess I don't know. I, I'm wondering if there was any sense of competition, like, hey, we need to get this done because Washington's sitting right there. i wonder how Washington feels, or do you think the Commanders are sitting there going, "Damn it, damn, we wanted him." Yeah. or maybe maybe they have their sights I'm sure they'll play it up that whoever they end up with was their target the whole time that's how it'll probably be put out in the press like yeah oh, we we love this guy we had such a great feeling we talked we, same thing we did our due diligence but man we are really excited that this guy was still here and
0: maybe they're in the same boat maybe it's somebody from San Francisco or um or Kansas City that that so, they like is anybody being interviewed from those teams I don't, I don't know. know but I wonder if that's that's something that Maybe they'll. Maybe that's that's one of the reasons why they're waiting. Or is it just that nobody wants to go coach for the Washington Commanders? It still has the stench of Daniel Snyder yeah. all over it.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I mean, they're they're in a good position in terms of having what the number two overall pick, I believe, in this yeah. year's draft. I think so. They, yeah, because
0: Chicago's number one.
2: Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I don't. It's. I'm sure it's different for everybody. Somebody could look at it and go, "This is a great opportunity," and somebody else could look at it and go, "I don't want any part of this." You know, maybe it's the division they play in. Maybe it's who they, you know, who they have in terms of their roster. I mean, there's so many things that play there. So, I, I mean, I love that they got it done. But the idea that the earliest they could have spoken with them had they gone to the Super Bowl would be the 12th of February.
0: Yeah, you know what I think is another interesting conversation that we have not had is that when Dan Quinn was bounced from the playoffs. There was all this talk about Dan Quinn, you know, we don't want it and blah, blah. We don't want him anyway. Well, both these guys got, got bounced, Mike McDonald and Ben Johnson. And I don't think anybody's opinion changed, did it? I mean, everybody no. was like, "Oh, look at these young guys! They got their their teams to the AFC NFC Championship game." Uh, I feel like that was something that followed Dan Quinn around, maybe because of the Cowboy fans and people like Stephen A. Smith squawking about it, or you know, uh, I don't, maybe they think, "Oh, they're they're young guys." I mean, how come it didn't? How come there was no sort of hangover when these two lost, and there was when Dan Quinn was uh, uh, beat? My opinion on it is
2: that. Dan Quinn, known for his defense, went out, and the very last time we saw him, his defense got thrashed. Whereas McDonald, known for his defense, gave up 17 in the first half, shut him out, shut out that high-powered Kansas City offense in the second half. So I don't think anybody's looking at that game going, McDonald, defense blew it. No, their offense fell apart. They put up 10 total points. So his it wasn't his failing the way it looks like it was Dan Quinn's failing and the and you could argue the same for the Lions. I mean they put up what 30 what was the final 34 31? 34 31. Yeah, so they put up 31 on a on a yeah. good on a good uh 49ers defense so I think they're looking at it going, well, you know, that the defense of the Lions wasn't so hot but their offense put up 31.
0: Yeah. But it's interesting to me because Dan Quinn had a uh, top 5 defense for what 3 years in a row. Yeah. yeah. It's recency bias, Dave.
2: Yeah. Last thing you did that's what everybody remembers and they went, "No, nope. I don't want him now. Yeah. <laughs> it was just I was telling you, but the week before that game, I felt like it was almost a consensus. Like, yeah, get Quinny back. This is going to be great. He knows what to do out here. These guys love him. He's been in the building. He knows the market and the fans, and there was just all these selling points to him. That game takes place. Nah, I'm good. Good luck to him. I hope he lands somewhere else. It was just a interest. It's amazing how quickly that turned.
0: Well, and also, you know, indicates somewhat that uh, maybe Dallas isn't that bad of a place to coach. I mean, you think with Jerry Jones and his involvement, he does a biweekly radio show, and you know, there's constant pressure. And I think Dallas Cowboy fans are demanding, you know, and so. But you know, he he could have had a chance to probably get out of there, and um, I'm. Maybe, that, maybe it's not so bad, coaching in Dallas. It looks yeah. like they got great facilities. Your owner is totally committed, but sometimes he gets in the way. But, yeah. And maybe, maybe that,
2: he gets, you know, one more year McCarthy and feels like I might have an opportunity here to be the head man. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I hope it works out for him. I like Dan Quinn a lot, and he did, he was a great defensive coordinator here. So if it's not this year, if he doesn't land the, the Washington gig, I, I hope he gets another shot. Uh, coming up, Mike McDonald got his coaching start down in Georgia, and we're going to get some insight on his career down there from Jeff Dantzler of the uh, Georgia Bulldogs Radio Network. He's going to join us next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710.